Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Simple Church. Good morning. My name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to take just a moment to say hello to everybody that's here today. And uh, also want to take a moment to look in the camera to greet all those of you that are at home, whether you're on Facebook or in our online campus. We're so glad that you're with us today. And if it's your very first time here, this round of applause is for you. Come on, guys. Let's greet our guests. Let them know that we are glad they're in the building today. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to it. Well, we are uh, in a series that we are continuing today called Love Story, and it's an exploration of the book called The Song of Solomon. And uh, what we're doing is we're going through this book, going verse by verse, uh, studying it, and I'm here to kind of break it down for you because I understand that there's a whole lot in Song of Solomon that's just very metaphorical, it's very poetic, and so A lot of it is stuff we can't relate to, but I think that it has a lot to speak to us today about how we go about relationships. So here's where we've been the last couple weeks. If you missed it, just let me share with you what we've done. First week, we talked about the rules of attraction, that as we're in relationships and that relationship is developing, the physical should not and must not be the very first thing that we're attracted to or the reason that we're in that relationship in the first place. It cannot be the primary thing. No, because the physical can change, and it can change quickly in a heartbeat. Amen, everybody? And so we said the most important things is we're going to follow the rules of attraction is to be attracted spiritually to someone first, then emotionally, and yes, the physical has its place. And so we we want to do things in the right order. And then last week, we talked about the different seasons that we enter into, that as we're in relationship and as that relationship develops and we begin dating, that there are specific seasons that we enter into. And it's important for us to understand the seasons that we're in because if we understand the seasons we're in, then we understand how we are to behave or the work that we are to do. Because right, not all things belong in all seasons. And so we talked about a season of perfection where everything is perfect in that relationship. We talked about a season of preparation where we're becoming whole and becoming one and being ready for marriage and even a season of purity. If you missed those messages, you can listen to them on our podcast, check out our website. All of them are available to you. In the coming weeks, next week, we're going to talk about conflict as there's trouble in paradise. Our new married couple gets into a fight. Solomon actually puts his fist through a wall. And so we're going to talk about how you uh, deal with conflict in a healthy way. And Pastor Kyle is going to be here delivering that message. Super excited to hear that. And um, And then the last message in the series, we're going to talk about how do we have maturing love? What does that look like as we grow older and grow more in love together? But today, today what we're going to do is continue this love story, and uh, we're actually uh, going to skip the wedding ceremony. So that's all in chapter three, and you can take a look at that if you want to. It's really cool. There's a lot of great visual things. I mean, like he's got a whole bunch of groomsmen there, and they've all got swords. Like that's, you know... I'm just saying, if you want to do it cool, that's the way you do it. Maybe, maybe instead of swords, you do it with lightsabers or something like that. I don't know, but it's just, uh, just yeah, there we go. Cool idea. But uh, anyway, uh, it's really neat. But today we're going to go straight to the good stuff. 
We're going to go right to the honeymoon, and uh, as I've warned you every week, uh, I'm not going to hold back. The, the message today is going to be PG-13 as we talk about godly sex, but I do want to give you a couple of things to help you, because as we read through the Song of Solomon, uh, there, there are three characters that speak, and they kind, of, they kind of all start talking and don't really kind of give any indication uh, that they're going to start speaking or who is speaking. It's like making your right turn without telling somebody, right? You know, changing lanes. It's just, uh, so I've got some help for you. I've got an emoji translator. It looks like this. So that when you see the word lover, they're talking about Solomon. And then when Solomon is speaking, you'll see that emoji there. Uh, beloved in the poem always refers to her. That's the Shulamite maiden. And that's what her image will look like. And uh, if, if just for reference, throughout this whole song, uh, in this poem, uh, she speaks 75% of the time, which should tell you a whole lot, right? There's a lesson in and of itself. Uh, but, uh, but then she's got, uh, her, she's got her friends, and they, these are the daughters of Jerusalem, and they, they just kind of got her back. They're always like, yeah, girl, you got it going on, right? You'll just see that. And so, so you'll see the emoji indicators to, to let you know who's talking and when they're talking. But, 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 but this Song of Solomon is also known as the Song of Songs because Solomon was a songwriter like his dad, David. David wrote all the song, or the majority of the Psalms that are found in the Bible, the book of Psalms. Uh, so, so Solomon took after his dad and he wrote, the Bible says over a thousand of them, and he called this one the Song of Songs because it was the best one. This was just hands down his best one. And so uh, here's what we're doing. Let me give you the key verse for this whole series. We'll start off in uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, Solomon's Song of Songs. So there he goes. He get, just names it. This is my best hit right here, right? And she starts off saying, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Now, pause here for a second. Note that they haven't kissed yet. She just desires that, okay? She longs for that, and it's spicy right from the get-go. She longs for Solomon. She says, for your love is more delightful than wine. In other words, what she's saying is, is Solomon, the way that you love, you figured it out. The way that you love makes people feel great. It makes them feel so good. that, In fact, when you walk in the room, people feel valued. They feel honored. They feel treasured. Everybody just wants to be around you. And, and she goes on to say, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Like when you're around, man, everybody just feels it. We love it. We love to be around you. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder all the maidens love you. And she's basically saying, it's no wonder all the girls in town want you, but you're mine, right? No wonder. And I think that's our goal for this series, is to learn how to love in such a way that everybody's attracted to us. What I mean by that is as, as Christ followers, we have a responsibility to live our lives in such a way, in such a way that honors God's best for our lives, that when we do, we live a life that is most blessed. And in that blessing, the world, which, by the way, is living according to a counterfeit method, in a counterfeit way, the world will see it and go, man, what do you have? Because I need that. The Bible says we're supposed to be light and salt. We're supposed to light things up and brighten them up, and we're supposed to make things taste better, right? And that's what our lives are supposed to be, light and salt to people, to attract them in. And so that's the goal of this series, to learn how to be in relationship with people and love one another in a way that is attractive to the, to the world so that they can come to know our God. Amen, everybody? That's the point of the series. So today, today what we're going to do is we are going to talk about the sexual relationship. And of course, I've already told you, this is a PG-13 message. This is the last warning you get, and I'm going into it. I'm not going to apologize, okay? But it's, it's pretty graphic. When I, and I'll say that it's it's as graphic, really, as the Bible gets. So 
Uh, as we get into it, remember our ground rules. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, you already know what they are. For those of you who are new, I'll share them with you. That today as you're listening, listen for yourself. Don't listen for the person next to you or for the person that you wish was here. No elbowing somebody and saying, are you paying attention to that? Because you need that. You need to hear that, right? Listen for yourself. Take some notes and ask God, what are you saying to me today? All right, everybody? Second ground rule that we have is we cannot approach this conversation with the baggage of our yesterdays. That we need to approach this conversation with a, an attitude of from this day forward. Because that's the kind of God that I serve. It's a, he's a from this day forward kind of God. He's not concerned with our past. His son Jesus has already paid the price for our past. It's already been reconciled and dealt with and cleansed. It's a from this day forward kind of thing. So as we read scriptures and you feel like, man, I have fallen short of that, just know that all of us have, and that's okay. Because God's mercies are new every morning. Even if you could exhaust them today, they start over tomorrow. Amen, everybody? And so let's approach this conversation with a from this day forward. If you haven't been getting it right up until this point, you can change that today. Now, let me start today's topic by saying two things to you. First thing is, the devil didn't create sex. God did. God created it. Now, the church, I think for so long, has been very silent on this topic, eerily so. And unfortunately, the devil is out there loud and proud about what he has to say about sexuality. And unfortunately, I think because the church has been silent and the world has been loud, they're the ones that are currently defining sexuality not God. The, but I'm here to tell you that the world's way is wrong and God's way is right. That always needs to be the case. As a Christ follower, we have to decide. When we, land, when we look into scripture, God's way is best. I may not like it. It may not be what I think is best for me, but God's ways are always right. That's a good place to say amen there. That's all right. <laughs> the world's way will bring pain and shame. God's way always, always brings blessing. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, though, unfortunately, a lot of us, we want to experience God's blessing before we commit to living. We want to understand before we obey. But that's not what we're called to. We are called to obey first. That understanding will come on the other side. The Bible invites us to taste and see. That means we've got to put it in our mouth, chew it up, to see that the Lord is good, that God's ways are good. And so you can't argue with me and tell me, well, that just sounds boring, or that just doesn't sound like that's going to work if you haven't tried it. Because if you try it, I promise you, you'll experience God's blessing. God's not trying to restrict you, and he's not trying to remove all the fun from your life. His desire is to bless you. And remember, he created sex. It was his idea in the first place. So he wants you to experience the beauty of the intimacy like the world can't give you. Amen? That's what he desires for you. And God didn't make sex and make it bad. He made it good, but he created it for you with some parameters around it so that you could experience his blessing. Second thing I need you to know as we get into this topic is that men and women are different. I feel like this goes without saying, but I also just want to remind you that that's the lens we need to look at when we're approaching this topic. I know you're going, duh, of course we're different. We're physically different. We, we think different. We behave different. Our priorities are different. Yep, all those things. But why? Why are we different? Well, I believe this is by God's design. 
You see, God created us different so that we would each be on a journey to seek understanding of one another. See, when we seek understanding, instead of allowing our differences to frustrate us, help me understand why you like it this way. Help me understand why you want this or you want this put there or you want... Help me understand. And as you seek to understand and you go on a journey of understanding, what happens is, is you come to appreciate the differences between you and you learn to serve those. Oh, this is, this is good stuff this morning. I don't know who's writing stuff down, but you should be. This is good. There's a, a level of intimacy that we can have, and the highest level includes understanding and service. In fact, the greatest relationships in the world are two servants in love two servants in love. I'm going to seek to understand you, and then I'm going to serve you. But we're very different, especially when it comes to sex. You know, they talk about, talk about the difference between men and women when it comes to sex is that men are like microwaves, women are like crockpots. For men, you take a hot dog, throw it in the microwave, 30 seconds later, it's ready to go. <laughs> women are like a crockpot. They, they need to cook all day long, right? <laughs> but boy, what a meal that is. <laughs> they say that men are physically different than women, and that men can be ready for sex in seven seconds. Women, dim the lights. Hey, do you mind going and lighting a candle? Could you turn on some music? Would you, would you go brush your teeth? Actually, just go ahead and shower. Wash it off. Just <laughs> The recycling. Did we take out the recycling? We need to handle the recycling. Women are interested in the journey, men more about the destination. Men are motivated by what they see and women by what they hear. Why did God do that? To teach us to seek understanding so that we could serve those differences. We could appreciate those differences within us. So listen to, to today's message within those two contexts, that God created sex and that men and women are definitely different. So here we go. Let's get into it. Chapter 4. This is the honeymoon, and he opens, like I said, she's been talking most of the time, but today he's going to talk the majority of the time. So he says this, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. So, so right off the get, you need to understand the, the marriage, the ceremony is over, and the honeymoon is starting, and he's getting to see her. Uh, in fact, he's getting, getting, to, getting to see her for, for one of the first times up close in this very intimate way, okay? And, and he likes what he sees. He's a mama. Mm, you got it going on. I like it. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. He moves on to her eyes, and he says, your eyes behind your veil are doves. Now, you need to understand that up till this point, Solomon hasn't seen her eyes. She's been a veiled maiden to him. And now he's seeing her eyes. He's like, oh, they're stunning. They're like, they're like pools of, of, of water in the Caribbean. They're blue and Clear or whatever color they were, I'm not sure. But he just, he likes it. He said, what you got going on, girl, is good for me. The eyes behind your veil are doves, and your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Mount Gilead. Now, guys, don't use that line, okay? <laughs> but, but, but let me explain to you what's going on here. The, 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 the flock of goats is, is the, they were there, uh, the, in Gilead, they had these black goats, and and the goats that, were, that would go down the mountainside would, would make this, like, ripple effect. So basically, uh, let me unpack what's going on here. Solomon is seeing her disrobe for the very first time. And he likes what he's seeing. He's starting from the top of her head and saying, I, I see your, your hair. And she's, 
she's going to go ahead and let her hair down and just kind of shake it out. And just <laughs> He's seeing her hair, because maidens had their hair up during that time. And so this is, this is one of the first times he's seeing her with her hair down. She's actually disrobing in front of him, and he's, he's, he's hot for mommy. He likes her, right? <laughs> he goes on to say, your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn, coming up from the washing. Each has its twin. Not one of them is alone. He's like, your breath is good, your teeth is white, and you got all of them. I like it. <laughs> Here's what we know. We don't know a lot about the Shulamite woman, but we definitely know she's not from West Virginia. All right. Sorry. Bad. That's a bad pastor moment. It's bad. I couldn't help myself. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. The pastor is savage today. I've had my caffeine. Can you tell? I love being here with y'all. He goes on. He's moving down her body. He says, your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of pomegranate. Your neck, moving down her body, is like the Tower of David, built with elegance. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. I know that's kind of odd to compare her neck to this tower, but what he's saying to her is, you look regal. You look noble. That you walk in, You're walking into the room, and right now, you got your head held high, which, by the way, is the opposite way our story began. If you remember, she said, don't look at me because I'm dark. And while we, we refer to dark today, being tan as, as like, hey, that's nice, back then it meant that you were poor and that you spent a lot of time in the fields working the vineyards and that, that you, your skin was dry and cracked and, and blackened by the sun, that it wasn't a healthy thing. And she didn't think much of herself. She said, even said, I've neglected my body because I've had to work out, so out in the fields for so long. And now she's holding her head up high. She doesn't think she's pretty, but Solomon loves how she looks. And before he touches her, before he touches her, he tells her some things. He says, you're gorgeous. Your eyes, your lips, your hair, the way you carry yourself, everything about it. I like what you got going on, mama. What's he doing? The very first thing, if you're taking notes, and if you're not, you should be, is that godly sex is affirming. Godly sex is affirming. Before sex is physical, it should be affirming. In other words, I'm going to tell you how much you mean to me. And it's important that we understand your words matter. Ladies, your words matter. Guys, your words matter a lot. You need to understand that the Bible tells us that the power of life and death are held in our tongues, and those that love it will eat the fruit thereof. In other words, those that learn to speak life will live a bountiful life. That, that, that Man, the people around you will be blessed if you speak words of love and affirmation and life to them. But if you speak words of death, if you tell her she's ugly, if you call her names, like I do not understand a culture that wants to walk around calling their woman the B word. I do not get it. I would never. I do not understand. That's my B. No, she's not. No, she's not. She's God's gift to you, and you better recognize that, sir. Your words have power. Speak affirming words, and this is life. Speak degrading words, and it will lead to death. You say, I'm going to kill somebody? No, no. You're going to kill their heart. You're going to kill their, their how they see themselves, how they they, how valued they feel or don't feel. 
this is your power. And when it comes to being affirmed, men like to be affirmed in what they do. Women like to be affirmed in who they are. Men like to hear about their accomplishments. And women, well, they, they like to hear what they mean to you. They want to hear that, that you think they're beautiful. They want to hear that. In fact, Proverbs 25, 11, this is Solomon speaking. He said, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. What he's saying is that, that when you speak life to somebody, it's this beautiful picture. Apples of gold in a setting of silver. This is, this is, it's worth a lot. That's valuable. And this learning to speak life to people is good at home. It's good at the office. It's good for your marriage. It's good for your kids. It's good in every relationship that you're in. And, and it's not just about speaking about what you see or what they've done. No, we can actually learn to speak affirming things to people about what we see in them. In leadership circles, we call this the I see in you, four letters, I see in you. It's the I see this potential in you, and I see what you could become. I'm speaking life to future you. And let me tell you something, if you'll say it, they'll become it. If you'll say it, they'll become it. Jesus did this for us. He, in the Bible, he knew all the people's sins. He knew all of their issues, but he did not highlight them and call them thinners. Y'all are just a bunch of thinners and heathens. No. He spoke to them about the life they could be and who they could be, and it transformed them. It transformed me, too. So we need to be affirming. Guys, let me give you some pro tips here, okay? If you're, gonna be, if you're, you're going to affirm your wife, she knows that you've got to work and you've got a job and that you're busy doing things. You're accomplishing stuff. Man, good on you. But in the middle of your accomplishments, turn your thoughts to her and text her and let her know or give her a call and say, hey, babe, I got a real busy day ahead of me. I'm just thinking about you right now. Just want you to know. That's a pro tip. You're welcome for that. You want to do even better? Don't just affirm her privately. Affirm her publicly. Affirm your love. Listen, send her flowers at work. You know what that does? The guy carrying the flowers walks in and everybody's like, oh, 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 no, it's not for me. Oh, is it for me? No, it's not for me. And then he lands on your wife's desk. And everybody's just, oh. <laughs> Why? Because of expressions of love. We long for those things. I, I used to send my wife flowers too. And, and, uh, and, and I'd bring her flowers home. And she said, I don't understand why you're buying me flowers. That's my favorite flower, thank you. But I don't know why you're buying me flowers. They're just going to die. We could spend money on something else. That's a true story. But, but she loved flowers coming to work. I actually went next level on her, too. I'd call her when she was working night shift at the hospital. Hey, baby, how many people are you working with tonight? She oh, I got seven, eight, nine people. I'd show up with a cooler full of individual pints of ice cream, like the Ben and Jerry's kind, like the nice ones, full of spoons. Oh, did you hear that? Did you hear that? <laughs> Guys, you're welcome. And I had ice cream for everybody because here's the deal, because ain't none of them going to let her talk bad about me when I'm gone because they love me too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Those are pro tips for you. Those are free of charge, all right? Free of charge. Public affirmation matters, okay? Public affirmation matters for men and women. Godly sex begins with affirmation. Next, let's keep going on. Solomon says, your two breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. All the guys are sitting there going, uh-huh. 
And then what happened? <laughs> I got you guys. But what's Solomon saying here? What he's saying is that, is that have you ever seen a deer in a field before? Any, any hunters here or just anybody that's, that loves deer, right? You want to approach them. I got a video of my wife approaching, and she was approaching a deer, and she's just moving real slow at this little baby deer one night. And that's how you have to approach them. Because if, if you come in there and go, hey, what, what's going to happen? Well, the deer is going to run away. And that's what Solomon's saying. Hey, guys, gentle in your approach. They'll run away if you come along too strong, right? What he's, what he's saying that is that godly sex is tender. Godly sex is tender. Solomon understood she wasn't an object to be used just to meet his needs and to fulfill his fantasies and then to be ignored and, and discarded. He understood the need for tenderness with her. In, in, in relationships, men desire responsiveness. Women like tenderness. And Solomon was choosing to be tender with her. You know, I, I often get asked when it, when it comes to uh, the Christian life and sexuality, what's permissible, Aaron? What's, what's allowed? And the answer is, is, is simple because they're, they're like, well, you know, it, are there different ways? How many ways? Are there different things? Are we allowed to be creative? The answer is yes, and I'll give you a few ground rules, okay? The first one is make sure that whatever it is that you're talking about, that you're exploring, is legal. That goes without saying, but I'm saying it. Yes, it doesn't go without saying. Also, make sure it's not harmful. There should never be shame caused by any, any activity. There should never be harm to emotions. There should never be harm physically. I'm not saying that you don't try something and, and you get hurt in the process. I mean something that would actually hurt someone. Don't just understand what I'm saying. Should be legal. Shouldn't be harmful. And it should always, 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 never, ever, not physically, not digitally, include other people. You say, well, we just, we just like to watch a little bit of porn while we do our lovemaking. Let me tell you something. That's a big mistake. It's more damaging than you think. It's more damaging than you think. You should never, ever include another person at all, physical or digital. And the last, the last guideline for what you decide, you should just be mutually, you should mutually consent. Both parties are consenting. Sex is a gift God has given you. Enjoy it. But it needs to follow those guidelines. Say, That's, that seems pretty heavy. Uh-huh. But this is what godly sex looks like. It's affirming. It's tender. And now look at this. He goes on in verse 6. He says, until the day breaks and the shadows flee. He's like, all night long, all night. Yeah, I'm not going to keep it going. He's Lionel Richie up in here. He said, he said well, this is, he said, we're going we're gonna to do this all night long. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I'll go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of incense. Notice that there are two of those intentionally, and that means exactly what you think it means. What's he on about? Well, he's letting her know, hey, this is, he said, this isn't going to be a quickie. I'm not, I'm not trying to just, just be done. He said, I'm, I'm trying to put in some time here. He's, ta he's essentially talking about foreplay is what he's talking about. 
And, and, and to him, it's fun and exciting. And I think what this does is, is it dispels some things uh, for us because, because Solomon is clearly saying, hey, I'm going to the heavy petting zoo and I'm going to hang out for a while. There are going to be some cuddling, some caressing, some kissing. And godly sex is not boring. No, godly sex is passionate. It's passionate. Missing good places to stay, amen. That's all right. I'll, I'll give myself a high five here. It's true. Godly sex is passionate. I think people come to Christianity and they think that when I get here that I'm going to be bored, that it's not going to be any fun, that, that I'm going to go to heaven, but I'm going to live my life with a grimace on my face and everything's just going to be dull. That's just not what Christianity is. That's, a, that's an absolute lie. The devil wants you to believe that, though, so that you'll accept his counterfeits. Because if you believe that, that what God has in store for you, godly sex, is boring, well, then you're going to go, well, we got to do some other stuff. But let me tell you something. Accepting the counterfeits that the enemy has will only destroy your life. That's his goal, by the way. Steal, kill, destroy. Sex God's way is full of passion. It's full of excitement. I, I literally said this to my wife three or four weeks ago. I said, you know, everything I was told about married sex is that it would be boring. We're almost 17 years married this June. Yeah. Thank you. The guy said, good job over here. Thanks. Really good, good on her for putting up with me. That was my daughter that said amen. Appreciate that. But I, I said to her the other day, I said, everything that the world has told me about sex is that it would be boring. And it's just not. We still have an, a, a great time, a lot of fun. And it's exciting to us. <laughs> my daughter's like, stop, please. Here's the, here's the problem with passion. Passion takes effort, right? To have a, 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 a fire in your marriage, specifically in this area, to have passionate sex, it's not an automatic thing. And because it's not automatic, what happens is we kind of get lazy, we get complacent, and then the grass starts looking greener somewhere else. But I'm here to tell you, the grass will always be greener where you water it right? Grass will always be greener where you water it. Passion takes effort. And people say, well, we're just not in love anymore. Well, you won't be unless you put in the effort. You're absolutely not. Some people cross their arms and complain and say, well, I shouldn't have to work for it. I told her I, I loved her once when I married her. Well, I should have to keep on telling her and putting in the effort. Let me tell you why. The way that you caught them, ladies, the way that you caught them, men, are the things you need to do to keep them. Yeah, there you go. That means date them. It means compliment them. Pursue them. If you'll choose a life of pursuit of them, choosing pursuit means that your choices will lead, your feelings will follow. Feelings of passion will show up if you'll choose to pursue. That's what will happen. Anybody like a good fire? I love a good fire. Man, I love sitting around a blazing fire outside with, with some friends and maybe some s'mores, and I just really enjoy it. I got a fire pit in my backyard. But you know what? It takes a lot of work to have a fire in the fire pit. Before I can even get to having the fire, I actually got to go on poop patrol and clean up the, the doggy bombs in the backyard. 
just, just a path and then around the, the fire pit, right? And then, then I got to go get wood. If I don't have wood, I got to go to the store and I got to buy wood. And then I got to schlep it out there and then I got to build it up and then, and then I got to light the fire. And I like this part because I got one of those little cheater things that you just kind of light on fire and it sets the whole thing on fire. I don't like to work too hard when it comes to that. But, but then the fire gets blazing, and, and i got to wash my hands because I've been handling the wood, and I don't like, I don't like all that. And then you got to go get the chairs and all the ingredients, and then ah, just a lot of work. Passion's that way. For me, at my house, i got one of those electronic fireplaces where I just click a button, and it lights up, and it warms the room, and it's nice. Now, that may work in my house, but that won't work in my marriage. The easy path is not the way. You need to put in the work in order to have the passion. How you catch them is how you keep them, and that goes for both of you. Men, what I'm saying to you is, if you sent her flowers when you were dating, keep on sending her flowers. If you bought her candies, keep on buying her candies. If you took her out on dates, if you planned fun outings, continue to do those things. Keep it up. But ladies, let me help you. Keep it up too. But, but also, ladies, I just want to say, you know, every now and then, Maybe come to bed in something that he likes. You keep the passion alive. Or, or maybe, 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 maybe it's 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 the things he doesn't like. You know, so just 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 and, and nothing. I'm just saying, like these ladies. You know, I'm just <laughs> trying to help you. That doesn't have to be all the time, but just sometimes. Okay, men are motivated by what they see. I remember on my wedding night. We were, we were at the hotel, and my wife said, I need you, to, I'm, I'm going to get in an outfit. And she said, and if you like it, she said, I promise you, I'll wear it every night of our marriage. I was like, oh, bless the Lord. She said, I need you to go in the bathroom. So I did, and I waited. I was anxious. I was like, good Lord. It's our, it's our wedding night. And I came out, and she was in a head-to-toe muumuu and a bonnet. Now, she had something on underneath that. That was a joke, but, but the, 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 the moo-moo, it was, that was a real joke. She was like, I'm just kidding. I was thankful for that. <laughs> Stick with me here. Romance requires effort to keep it alive. And you need to know this because the devil has a counterfeit that is a lot easier than what, what romance is. In fact, I, I'll tell you that, that the, the less effort it is, the, the less I guarantee you that it will work. That, in fact, I think it's too easy nowadays. Our phones have given us access that with a click of a button, we can have a hookup or we can have content on our screen that will scratch an itch. And we think that because it's easier, it's not hurting anybody. And, and, and I'm going to go ahead and do that. Listen, don't let the enemy get into your life that way. Don't let him destroy your life. Now, let's keep going here. Solomon 4, chapter 7. Said, all beautiful you are, my darling. There's no flaw in you. Now remember, she is physically flawed, or at least she feels that way. But that's not that's not how he sees her. She doesn't feel she's the prettiest girl, but Solomon here is giving her a gift. And this is a gift that every single one of us needs, right? We we all need it. And that is simply to be valued for who we are. We all need that gift. What he was saying was that, hey, listen, you know what, baby? You're the new standard for beauty for me. That you may not think you're beautiful, but I dig it. And you are my standard for beauty. All your curves and all your edges, all your imperfections are perfect to me. You're, you are the standard. I love this. 
Because at my house, my wife a few years back started something. We, we'll talk about people, and we're comfortable enough in our relationship to say, do you think they're attractive? Do you think they're pretty? Do you think, what, do you, what do you think about them? And my wife started something that I adopted and I use now, but she, she would say, I mean, he's good looking, but he's no Aaron DeLong. What's she doing? She's communicating to me. I'm her standard. Yeah, they're good looking, but they're not you. And I adopted it, and now we say this back to you. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty, but they're not you. They're no Shanda DeLong. I love it. That was free. You can have that too. <laughs> what does it do? It establishes our standard. Why? Because godly sex is secure. It's secure. It's saying you value me, and I know it. And I think in today's culture, there's been so much sexual abuse that has been passed around that it's made a whole generation of people insecure. And I think that's by the devil's design. We have to decide that our spouse is the standard. Don't accept a counterfeit and don't let the world yuck your yum. Godly sex is secure. Keep going. Let's keep going here. <laughs> Verses 9 through 11, he said, you've stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You've stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. It's weird he's calling her your sister, but we're going to keep past going past it. How much more? How, how much more pleasing is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume than any spice? Did you recognize any of the wording? Because some of the wording, the way that he's talking to her, is the exact phrasing that we used in the first verse that we opened with today. And it's the way this whole song started. What he's saying to her is exactly what she said to him. He's like, hey, there is none like you. None like you. He goes on to say, your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. Now, this is the first physical contact that we see. This is, this is him, he, he's touching her for the very first time, and it's a kiss. Now, the Bible doesn't let us see the rest of their lovemaking. This is the only, this is the only part of it that we get to see, and it describes this kiss. And he says, milk and honey are under your tongue. And that means exactly what you think it means. This was a French kiss about 1,900 years before France was a nation. That means it was a Hebrew kiss, and that God has a better plan. Amen, everybody? Come on. It wasn't the French that did this. Now, let me get up on a soapbox for just a minute. That was me stepping on my box. What I'm about to say is Aaron. It is not, it is not the Bible speaking. I'm just going to say to you that what we can see here, that this kind of kissing, young people, students, adults, college and career, all y'all, retired, married, wherever you're at, this kind of kissing, this not just, just a kiss, but but this open mouth kind of French kissing. It starts a process that God never intended to be interrupted until it was completed. That this kind of passionate kissing arouses something within you that will demand to be satisfied. It's like a car engine, that if you get into a particular gear and you just keep revving it, what's going to happen is you're either going to blow your engine or you need to change gears. Nope, I will not unpack that anymore. 
I am not telling you that kissing is a sin. What I'm telling you is that it starts a process that will demand completion. You say, well, we'll we, we know where the line is and we'll stop. No, you won't. And no, you don't. Mm-mm. The boy can be very convincing once the engine is revved. And if you don't recognize that that kind of kissing starts that process, you'll fall into the trap that the devil has for your life. Now, I'm going to get off my soapbox. I'm not calling you a sinner for it. I'm just keying you in. There's a process that was not meant to be interrupted. God wants your sex life blessed. You got to do it his way. Continue on here. Verse 12, he says, you are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. There he goes again. You're a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. What's he talking about here? Solomon loves the fact that she waited for him, that, that she was a virgin and gave herself completely to him. He says, you kept yourself locked up. You kept yourself pure. Now, I'm aware that as I share a verse like that, that we're not all virgins in this room, that we've all, all messed up and made some mistakes and that we've overstepped God's best for our lives. The Bible calls that sin, that we've all sinned in this area, that we've missed the mark. And when we read verses like that, we have the tendency to feel like, well, I've already messed up. I've already gone this far. I got this many. My body count is this high. I got this many notches in my bedpost. Whatever euphemism you want to use for how many times you've messed up and who, how, how many people you've done messed up with, you say, well, that disqualifies me from this whole purity thing. <clears throat> Wrong again. Because the God I serve, Jesus, he makes all things new. Each of us can have this verse. Each of us can have this purity. In fact, let me just say this. Godly sex is holy. What is holiness? Well, it's not perfect people. It's forgiven people. That's what holiness means. It's forgiven people. I'm not holy because I'm perfect. I'm holy because Jesus has forgiven me because I've messed around a lot. I made lots of mistakes and I can't do anything about it. You can't unscramble eggs. Just can't. Can't change the decisions I made in the past. But from this day forward, I can live a life where Jesus cleanses me and makes me brand new, where I get to be holy. I get to be pure because of what he did. It doesn't matter how much you messed up to this point. God's grace is greater. So let me explain this to you. We call it the gospel. God has a standard. He says, this is my best for your life. And when we read God's standard, we look into it and we say that, you know what? I can't do that and I keep on messing up around it, I'm not gonna be able to do it. And you're right, you absolutely cannot live up to God's standard. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means me, that means you. Every single one of us have fallen short of God's standard. And when we fall short of God's standard, we kind of despair a little bit, except that the gospel, which is good news, continues on and says that Jesus died for the violation of it. That every time we violated God's standard, We've sinned, and Jesus paid the price for it. Two things he did. He paid the price because the Bible says that the wages of sin, the cost, the penalty, what you owe as a result of you making a mistake and sinning against God is death. And he's not talking about just dying physically. He's talking about eternal death, separation from God. But Jesus paid the price that sin demanded from us because he came and lived a perfect and sinless life. He willingly surrendered his life, died brutally, was murdered on a cross and rose from the dead on the third day. Why? So that we could be cleansed. The price paid for our sins, made brand new. 
And then we continue on in that journey because, man, we still got issues we're hung up on. And yes, I've been forgiven from it, but I still make mistakes. And that's why the Bible illuminates our life in it. That we now, we come to church, we listen to what God has to say. We read the Bible. We allow him to grow us. We grow through a process that the Bible calls sanctification. And it happens in three places. First, when you give your life to Christ, he cleanses you. That's the first. You were sanctified, cleaned up, made right. And then we walk through a process because we're going to sin, because we're going to continue to make mistakes, because we're not perfect, not here on this earth. We, we are being sanctified. We are being continually cleaned up by Jesus, transformed every day into his image. And then when we get to heaven, we will be sanctified because there's a day we'll be made perfect. That we are cleansed, we're being cleansed. We will be clean. There's a day, this is what Jesus paid for. This is what he paid for. And then he didn't leave us to struggle. No, he gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us to live according to his standards. The Bible even says he gives you the desire to do that. This is the gospel, my friends. This is the good news. This is what Jesus did for us. And how, please, I am begging you, do not walk out of this place today without receiving this free gift, without allowing Jesus to cleanse you, to make you pure, to make you holy. That's the invitation. I give that invitation at the end of every single message. But today can be your day that God transforms your life. Some of you feel like you've gone too far in the area of sexuality. Some of you have been a hurt or assaulted in an area of sexuality. And I need you to know that you are valued and you are welcomed here. That we welcome you into a process of healing and hope. Don't leave here condemned. Be made pure and holy. So how do we close this message on sex? James 1, be doers of the word, not hearers only. That's just a joke, guys. Just, just kidding. <laughs> Let's get back to it. Here's a real verse. <laughs> Solomon said, verse 15, you are a garden fountain, a well of flowing water streaming down from Lebanon. In other words, he, he's saying, hey, this is giving me life. But doing this God's way is, is really blessing me. But you'll notice what, what she's about to say. She starts off with the words, awake. And the last two Sundays, we've ended the message with her warning the daughters of Jerusalem. Hey, don't, don't awaken love before it's time. Don't, don't arouse it before, before, before it's time, everything in its season. And today, she's saying, awake. Awake, north wind, and come, south wind. Blow on my garden. Every time you see garden in this, it's talking about her body, or, or the vineyard, it's talking about her body. That its fragrance may spread everywhere. Let my beloved come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. She's saying, hey, I've been giving myself completely to you. And she's seeing this passion on a level that too many people never, ever experience. What God has is a level of intimacy that is much better than just the physical act of sex. Let me say it this way, that God's way just isn't, or isn't just right, it's better. Let's pray. Today I want to pray for each of us because I understand the weight of this subject. 
all of us have been pulled into the world's way in some way or another, whether that's been a private way or involving someone else. We've all made mistakes in this area. My hope and prayer for us today is, Lord, may we have the boldness to say, enough is enough. Lord, that we could choose today to step into doing specifically sex your way. Lord, I pray here today for the marriages where the fire has gone out. I pray that you would inspire passion, creativity, and may they learn to choose to pursue one another. And as they do, I pray that you bless those efforts. I pray that that passion would burn white hot in their marriage. And as they rekindle that love, Lord, may your grace and your mercy abound. Bless it. Bless every marriage that is. Bless every marriage that is to be. Let your hand rest upon them, Lord. Right now, I rebuke every assault from the enemy. I cancel every assignment that the devil has against the marriages in this place and underneath the sound of my voice. I rebuke you. Your assignment's been canceled. No weapon formed against our marriages will prosper. And now I pray for those that carry shame, that carry hurt from some sort of sexual encounter. Whether you were involved in that because a willing participant or maybe something was forced upon you. My prayer today is that you would experience the hope and the healing that Jesus offers. Lord, I pray that you would heal hearts, that you would heal minds, and that in some cases, Lord, you would heal our bodies. Lord, for we know that trauma is stored within our bodies and we feel it. I pray, God, that you would heal us completely. I know that we can't unscramble eggs. I know that we can't change our past, but we can change our relationship. May we look back on those things knowing that you have redeemed them, that you will use them not only for our good, but for your glory. What the enemy meant to destroy us, you will now use for your good. I pray, Lord, that we adopt that from this day forward. We will learn to walk in healing and hope and forgiveness and your peace. And that we will be holy and pure. And now, as we continue our prayers, I just want to say, I, I said, today you have an opportunity. We're continuing to pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I've already explained the gospel message to you, the good news. If you're ready today to be made clean, to be forgiven, to have a brand new start, to have the Spirit of God dwell inside of you, to have eternity in heaven with our Father and a full and fulfilled life here on this earth, Christians, this is your moment to be praying for those that are around you. But if you're ready to make that commitment, whether you've made it before and walked away or you've never said yes to a life of following Jesus, this is your moment. Don't worry about the person sitting next to you. This is just between you and God. If you're ready, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to be included on that prayer, would you just slip up your hand and say, Aaron, that's me today. That's me. Do that now. Slip your hand up. That's me. I'm making the choice. Yeah. Proud of you. Put your hands down. That's good. Everybody in this room, let's pray together. Nobody prays alone. 
Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. And show me how to live for you. And to tell others about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you feel that today, can we just give God a shout of praise today? Come on, let him know that you're thankful for what he's done. Let him know that you're thankful for what Jesus is doing in this place today. Man, that's a good day. Well, as we wrap up today's service, for those of you that, that made that commitment, I need you to know whether you're joining us through a digital format, through our podcast, there are links in the description of the, sh of the, the show that you're listening to. Uh, click that link, fill out a digital connect card. Let us know that you made that commitment. We'd love to be part of your next steps and your next journey. Uh, also, those of you that are here, grab the connect card from the seat back in front of you. Take a moment to fill it out. In fact, if, you, if those of you that are guests with us today would fill one out, connect card turned in at the connect center we've got a gift for you we would love to give you so take a moment and do that but if you made a commitment today take the next step let us help you let us walk you through what your spiritual journey is supposed to be like I promise we won't harass you you're part of our family now and you belong here amen everybody they belong here so we're so glad that you're with us today so take a moment to fill out that connect card as we wrap up today a couple things you need to know about first is that uh, coming up the first Wednesday of every month, we do something called First Wednesday. And what I want to normalize is two things. As your pastor, I'm asking you to help me normalize two things. First is that is who is a leader? You say, well, it's, it's one of the staff members. It's somebody with a P in front of their name because it means pastor. No. No, that's not who the leaders are. Yes, those are leaders here. But actually, who leaders are in this room is everyone. Because John Maxwell describes, he's a leadership guru, and he says that leadership boiled down to one word is simply this, influence. And every single one of you has a sphere of influence. You have people that you're influencing. And so I want to normalize who leaders are, and it's you. Everybody say, that's me. You're a leader. You are a leader. So let's normalize who leaders are, and then let's accept responsibilities that we have as leaders to develop what our influence looks like. And so I want to invite you the very first Wednesday of every month. We're right here for an hour. That's all it is from 7 to 8 p.m. And we're investing in your leadership. We want to help you grow. We've been having incredible conversations the past couple months. And I want to invite you to join us. That's in two Wednesdays from now. Is that correct? Yes. Thank you very much. Two Wednesdays from now. We'd love to see you here. And then remember, Kyle is preaching next week. Pastor Kyle is going to be here. Make sure that you are here. Invite some friends as she tells us how to survive Fight Club, all right? So, hey, listen, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being with us today. If you need prayer for anything, our pastoral team will meet you right here. But we will see you back next week uh, as we continue this series. Love you guys.